Before we get into the message tonight, I want to tell you about a preacher. He got up and he said to his congregation, I want everyone who wants to go to heaven to stand up. Everyone stood up except for this one old man in the front. So the preacher said again, I said I want everyone who wants to go to heaven to stand up. The old man in the front row remained seated. Finally, the preacher said, Brother Williams, I said everyone who wants to go to heaven stand up. And the old man said, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were getting a group together to go now. (laughs) Tonight we're going to continue a series that I began on Wednesday called Identity Theft. So this is part two. Now, most of us, when we initially think of identity theft, we think of someone stealing from us financially. And there's a high percentage of that going around in the world today by stealing the identity of someone else. Someone else pretends to be you. But for the sake of this series, I'm looking at identity theft as someone portraying an identity that God never intended them to have. So again, think about that. You're portraying an identity that God never intended you to have. Now, since God created you, he established an identity that he wants you to walk out in life. You need to figure out what that is, grab a hold of it, and don't let someone come along and talk you out of your true identity. Because someone will. Let's go to John 10.10. This is the foundational text for this series. John 10.10. The Bible says the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. This is Jesus speaking. He said, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So according to this verse, Jesus is telling you that one of the primary reasons that he came down to this earth is that you may have and experience life. Now you may be thinking, well, I'm breathing, so I guess I have life. But that's not what he's referring to. That word life in the Greek, it's the Greek word zoe. It means the God kind of life, the life that God has. Think about that. Jesus is saying that you can experience the same kind of life that God has. Now, in case you aren't familiar with what kind of life that is, God's not up in heaven with a cold. He's not dealing with the flu. He doesn't have COVID. He doesn't have sickness. He's not poor. He's not depressed, although he would have reason to be if he looked at what was going on on the earth. You wouldn't blame him, but he's not. He doesn't allow those things to come upon him. That's not the kind of life that he experiences, and he doesn't want you to as well. So the Bible says here that he came that you might have life. Jesus came to provide us with the life that God intended us to live, which means your true identity is instilled into you by God. 
I'll say that again. Your true identity is instilled into you by God. Since he created you, he can choose however he wants you to live. Now, you can rebel against that. But he's instilled that in you. He's given you potential. You were programmed to do something amazing on this earth. However, there's a thief. Goes by many names. Satan, the devil, the fiery dragon. The Bible says the thief does not come. Here's his primary goals in life. To steal, to kill, and to destroy. He is going to try to take from you what God wants you to accomplish. So we went over all those words last week, but I just want to focus on the kill part. The thief comes to kill. That word kill means to deprive of life or the quality of life. Are you living the quality of life that God has for you? Most people aren't because the thief has come and he's taking from you what is not legally and lawfully his. Satan is the master originator of identity theft. He wants to distract you from your God-given identity. He doesn't want you to walk in your full potential. And unfortunately, a lot of people aren't. So we need to figure out how to accomplish that life that Jesus came to give us. So tonight we're going to look at a biblical example of a man who encountered identity theft. So go over to Judges 6. Judges 6, we're going to look at verses 1 and 2. In Judges 6, it says, The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. So here, because of their evilness and their wickedness, God handed them over to bondage. And if you read the Old Testament, you see the cycle over and over and over again that they forget about God, they start doing their own thing, they lose the identity that they were created to walk in. God puts them in bondage. They cry and beg, Lord, please release us. He releases them, and then they go through it over and over and over again. So these Midianites drove them out of their own houses. They had to live in caves. That's not God's best. Some of you aren't living God's best. And you need to examine your life and see maybe, is there any responsibility that you got yourself there? Or is it just the thief coming to steal? Now, I want to tell you something. If I was sitting in my house watching TV, and all of a sudden some thieves broke in, they walked up, started dismantling my TV, carrying a bunch of other things away, would I sit there and allow them to do that? Oh, I wouldn't, especially if I'm in the middle of a movie. I want to see how it ends. I mean, come on. But we allow the devil to steal from us all the time and do nothing when we don't 
follow God's word when we don't apply the word of God to our life. All right, let's look at Judges 6, verses 3 and 4 and 6. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders from Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east would attack Israel, camping in the land and destroying crops as far as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, goat, cattle, and donkeys. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. This is a horrible oppression that is going on. In fact, here's how odd it is. They let them plant the crops, and then they took the crops from them and destroyed them. They didn't even take them for themselves. They just took them and destroyed the crops. Imagine what that would do to your identity. You know, I happen to believe a lot of those people are probably, oh, woe is me. You ever hear anyone say that? Woe is me. Maybe you've said that. You look at your situation, woe is me. That's the identity that you've grabbed a hold of, the woe is me identity. That's not the identity that God has planted inside of you. Now, let's go to Judges 6.11. So I give you all that so you understand what's occurring before this gentleman shows up on the scene. Now, the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Oprah. Uh, Oprah's been around for a long time, apparently, which belonged to Joash the Abyssalite. While his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide from the Midianites. See, now you understand why he was hiding. Because all this craziness was going on. So Gideon is hiding from his enemies because he's afraid. So he identifies as a person of fear. Maybe you've grabbed a hold of that identity in your life. We know that's not a God-given identity because the Bible says in 2 Timothy that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and a sound mind. So when we take on the identity of fear, we are now operating in identity theft. We are portraying ourselves differently than how God created us. So Gideon is not thinking of overcoming, but avoiding. He's just trying to survive, to make a living, just trying to get by. How many of us were just trying to get by? I don't believe that's the God kind of life. God's not up in heaven just trying to get by. He's thriving. Now, Gideon, remember that these Midianites, they'd come and they'd steal all the crops. Gideon actually was able to save his wheat crop by hiding it in a wine press. That's why he was in there. Now, just so you understand, a wine press is a small enclosed area where grapes were crushed down to make wine. A wheat threshing floor, which is where you'd normally do what Gideon was doing, is a wide open area where they would thresh or beat the wheat. And what would happen then is the chaff 
the dirt and the dust would blow away while the heavier wheat kernels would fall to the floor and they would be swept up and ground into flour, just in case you want to try that tonight. So to thresh wheat, here's what I want you to understand the situation Gideon is in. He's in this wine press, this enclosed area, to thresh wheat inside a wine press, there would be no breeze, so Gideon would be covered with chaff, dirt, and dust. It would be an awful environment. He'd be breathing in all that waste. Now, why would he do that? Because he felt stuck in his situation. That's how he identified himself. Someone stuck in a rut, no place to go. You know, 70% of workers in America do not like their jobs. But they feel stuck. 90% of government employees do not like their jobs. Do you feel stuck? Like, I know I should be doing something else, but this is all I got. Is that how you identify? Now, let's look at Judges 6.12. So Gideon is in this wine press, and the Bible says, the angel of the Lord appeared to him. I don't have time to go through this scripturally, but the majority of the times when you see the phrase angel of the Lord, it's actually referring to Jesus before he took on flesh and dwelt among the earth. So the angel of the Lord appears and says to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now, I'm picturing what's taking place here. And when the Lord speaks, I just picture this deep, audible, big voice. So Gideon's in the wine press, and all of a sudden, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor, 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 valor. Because he's in the wine press, all right? There's an echo, just in case you didn't understand. Now, what is Gideon thinking? I'm thinking Gideon's like, oh, my, you. Are you kidding me? Seriously, keep it down. I'm hiding in here. I mean, he doesn't want anyone to know. And this big, booming voice comes down. And he calls Gideon a mighty man of valor. The man who is hiding from his enemies is called a mighty man of valor. Gideon must have thought, listen, I think you got the, the wrong wine press here. You probably need to go three blocks down. There's probably somebody else. That's the guy you're looking for because surely it's not me. Gideon's hiding. He's not leading an open revolt to be called a mighty man of valor. But what is God doing? Why was God calling him that? Because God is confirming Gideon's identity to him. Gideon has had identity theft. He's lost his true identity, and God is reminding him who he is. And he will do the same thing to you. I want you to understand, God will never come to you as a victim. God will never come to you as a victim. God didn't confirm to Gideon how bad his situation is. He didn't show up and say, Gideon, yeah, you, you got it rough here. I don't even know how you're going to get out of this situation. I mean, I can do a lot of things, but this is really bad. 
Now, God didn't do that. God refuses to speak to you as a low-life, struggling survivor. Unfortunately, most Christians walk around mediocre in their Christianity. Mediocre Christians. The word mediocre in the Latin means halfway to the peak. So most people are halfway where they ought to be in life. Why? Because they don't identify themselves the way God sees them. They see their life totally different. So God says, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Let me give you the definition for valor. It means might, strength, power, ability, valiance, virtue, riches, substance, wealth. So I'll say that again. God is saying that he is with you, Gideon, you mighty man of might, you mighty man of strength, you mighty man of power, you mighty man of ability, you mighty man of valiance, you mighty man of virtue, you mighty man of riches, you mighty man of substance, you mighty man of wealth. Imagine what Gideon must have been thinking when he begins to hear that spoken over himself. See, God sees qualities in you that you don't even know exist. So when he speaks something to you, do you embrace that or think, oh, God, I don't know what you're on, but that isn't me. God calls those things that be not as though they were. So embrace the identity that God has for you. God sees the future potential in a person, not their present predicament. He sees the future potential in you. So God just tells Gideon, he's a mighty man of valor. You would think Gideon would be like, whoa, this is amazing. Thank you, Lord. I was really down in the dumps. You just encouraged me. Man, I'm going to go out. But look what Gideon does in verse 13. Sir Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. So here God just says this amazing thing to Gideon, and his first reply is, if the Lord is with us. So he's not even buying into this. Gideon doesn't immediately receive the good news. He starts questioning the Lord, or we could say it this way, he questions God's word. How many Christians do that? They read something in the Bible, but they don't really believe it. Like somebody will be going through something, and I'll Give them some scripture to help them. Yeah, I, I know the Bible says that, but you don't understand my situation. Like you're not really listening to what I'm going through. Well, I know totally what you're going through. And I'm trying to help you. Because only God's word is going to transform your life. As long as you have negative, stinking thinking, 
You're going to stay exactly where you are because you'll never see yourself out of that situation. People begin to question their identity in God. So Gideon's like, if God is with me, then why is all this happening? And he begins to blame God for the cause of his problems. People do that today. I can't believe. Why did God let me get that speeding ticket? Because uh, you were speeding? Well, maybe that's why. Why did God let me get fired? Uh, maybe you weren't doing your job. Or maybe God has something better for you and you just don't see it. So don't question what God's Word says. Grab a hold of it. Apply it. Then in Judges 6.14, it says, Then the Lord turned to him and said, so Gideon's just basically accused God of doing nothing. God says, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Imagine, Gideon just blames God, and then God says, go in this might of yours. He's thinking, what you talking about, Jehovah? I don't have any might. I don't have any strength. How am I going to do this? So here's what I want you to see is interesting. Gideon just blamed God for why he wasn't doing anything to solve the problems that were going on in the nation, and God puts him in charge of solving the very problems Gideon's complaining about. So the lesson is, often when we ask God to do something, don't be surprised if he tells you to do it. God says, go in this might of yours. God will never open a door for you that you are not equipped to walk through. God will never open a door for you that you are not equipped to walk through. So if God calls you to do something, he will give you the tools and the ability to do it. What has God sent you to do that maybe you're not doing? Do you see yourself as a victor or a victim in life? Look at Judges 6.15. And he said to him, now this is Gideon speaking to God again. God just called you a mighty man of valor. He said that you were mighty. You could go out and save Israel. And Gideon says this to God, oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Gideon has experienced identity theft. He can't see the identity that God is trying to give him. He's identifying as someone in direct opposition to who God created him to be. So Gideon says, I am the weakest. That word means weak, thin, needy, feeble, or I like this last part, dangling. It means dangling. What does that mean? That you're at the end of your rope. Have you ever been there? Have you ever thought that's where you were? Have you identified that way? That's what Gideon's saying. And then he says, he's the least. He's the least in my father's house. That means few in number, young in age, 
It means ignoble in value. Ignoble in value. Gideon is saying, I am a nobody. Do we identify as a nobody? As long as you see yourself as a nobody, you limit yourself from becoming a somebody. It doesn't matter where you came from, what your upbringing was, what your family is like. What matters is what God can do with you now. Understand that? God never calls you based on where you've come from or where you're at. He calls you based on where he knows he's going to take you. God never calls you based on where you came from or where you're at. He calls you based on where he knows he's going to take you. One of the devil's oldest tricks is to discourage believers by causing them to look back at what they were. We as Christians are not to spend our time looking back or looking in. So many people do that. They want to go to the past and want to look at how they were brought up and what happened here or what happened there. God is always about moving forward. You can't move forward if you're stuck in the past. I want you to understand God has a hope and a future for you. That's the identity that he has placed inside of you. Don't let someone else create identity theft in your life. Recognize who you are. How do I figure that out? What does the Word of God say you are? That's why in this church, we are so adamant about people getting into the Word of God. Because that and only that is going to transform your life. So God calls Gideon a mighty man. Let's look at that word mighty. The word mighty means valiant warrior, powerful, strong, a champion. Again, this is the guy who's hiding. This is the guy who's afraid. And God says... Gideon, you are a valiant warrior. You are powerful. You are strong. You are a champion. If God told that to Gideon, he's telling it to you as well. You may be going through something in life. Who knows what it is? You may be having a pity party yourself. You may be identifying yourself less than what God has called you to be. But God is calling you a mighty man, a mighty woman of valor. So God is saying to Gideon, I don't see you as weak, thin, needy, feeble, and dangling. I refuse to say that you are a nobody. I see you as a champion, a valiant warrior, a powerful and strong, mighty man, full of strength, virtue, and wealth. Now rise up to your new identity. Don't let anyone steal from you what God has called you to be. So how does Gideon change his identity? 
How did he begin to identify himself the way God created him? To be continued. Continued. 